welcome to the podcast. We've got fresh content from some of the brightest minds in the Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto space. With feeds on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram that make it so incredibly easy to keep to the pulse of what's happening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and even hit the share button to send to someone you know who would love to know about this totally free podcast. Huge thanks to our main sponsor, UnoCoin, who are not only India's leading crypto assets blockchain company, but also the reason why this podcast is available to you completely free of charge. With that said, let's jump into one of the Blockchain Impact Conference talks that took place in Toronto, Canada on December 8th, 2017. Enjoy. Welcome everyone. I'm, I'm glad there's so many people have so much interest uh, in this event. It's, it's amazing to see so many, uh, so many of you guys uh, coming out and uh, taking time on uh, you know, on a fun Friday night. Uh, my name is Andre Bilak. I run a company called Coinberry. Uh, our focus is uh, to provide uh, the most uh, simple, uh, easiest, and secure method for the mass adoption of Bitcoin, vis-à-vis uh, -vis the purchasing of Bitcoin for the average uh, individual. So uh, we target, uh, we target, you know, the average Joe uh, that's sitting in front of his, um, uh, you know, TV or watching CNN, and he um, he hears about Bitcoin. And he wants to acquire a little bit of Bitcoin. Um, we believe that that mass adoption is around the corner and um, our whole platform and our whole philosophy is, is catered to, uh, to providing a service that's, uh, that's easy to use, that's secure to use, and that's simple to use for that target audience. So my name is Sue and I'm a director at Coinsquare.io and we are Canada's largest, most secure uh, cryptocurrency trading platform. We also just recently launched a high net worth white glove OTC trading platform for uh, trades over 25,000. We do 1.5% all inclusive. Uh, and yeah, I'm really excited to be here today talking to you guys. Uh, my name is Laura Gurki. I'm with the Gallery WLG. I'm a tax lawyer and uh, yeah, I guess I worry about taxes so you guys don't have to. Hello. Hello, my name is Austin. I've been uh, selling Bitcoin in some capacity for nearly five years now. I've been with Kraken for over three years. We're a pretty big Bitcoin exchange. We have uh, Canadian dollars. We have US dollars, Euro, Fiat, and I mean, uh, what's the other ones? Yeah, Yen. And we have um, uh, some other one, I forget. Uh, pounds! Br British pound sterling. Yeah. Uh, so, my name is Matt Sabula. I'm the CEO of Cryptiv. At Cryptiv, we build wallet systems for institutions, uh, such as financial institutions. And we also manage our own private portfolio of crypto assets, which we may one day open up to outside private investors if the damn regulators ever let us. Uh, my name's Brad Mills. I got into the Bitcoin space because I like to uh, earn Bitcoin by using my graphics cards that I played video games with back in 2011. So first of all, uh, you know, how, how does one go about buying Bitcoin in Canada? So what are some of the ways that, like let's say somebody in the audience is super intrigued by what we're talking about, they want to pick up some Bitcoin. So you guys want to, anyone want to take a stab at this, Susan? So CoinSquare.io is literally just a, you know, a measure of getting online, 
logging an account with us. Uh, we'll then put you through a verification process, which includes Equifax. Occasionally, you have to you know, um, uh, you know, load your driver's license if Equifax can't immediately confirm who you, who you are. Uh, and then, yeah, it's just a matter of wiring us your money. You can use Interact Transfer, Bank Draft, or again, if it's a larger amount, you want to wire your funds. Usually that takes about 48 hours for us to process that wire, and then once it's done, it's you know basically you can start trading, uh, you know on our quick. We've got a quick trade platform, or and you can also use our high net worth OTC service, um, and that would be you would email your quote to concierge at coinsquare.io, and then subsequently you would accept your quote within 10 minutes, and then have your coin uh, shortly thereafter. Cool. And then so this is around the topic of buying cryptocurrencies in Canada. Andrea, do you want to kind of touch on maybe what some of the advantages and disadvantages, maybe mostly the advantages of buying on a Bitcoin ATM machine might be? Yeah, absolutely. So the difference, the, the big difference um, uh, when, when you compare online platforms and, and physical machines is that um, most of the time when you purchase on an exchange, um, the coins are not actually sitting on your private wallet, so the exchange actually holds the, the coins on your behalf. Um, the big difference when you buy um, Bitcoin at, at an actual um, physical machine is that the, the, the coins actually get sent, Bitcoin gets sent to your private wallet. So you know, the whole philosophy of, of Bitcoin is, is to be sort of um, in control of your finances. So we feel that um, you know, allowing people to own that Bitcoin and control what they do with it um, it, it gives a, a very strong advantage to that use case. Of course, there's a use case where people do want to uh, leave their coins on the exchanges, but then you have a big question of you know what happens when 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 Bitcoin forks, who gets you know who gets the fork? Does the exchange get the fork? Do you get credit for that? So that, you know all these questions arise. Uh, whereas when you hold coins on your personal wallet, then of course you're secure, knowing that if any fork happens, you will get credit for the fork. So there's pros and cons to both. So actually, just really quickly, um, Coinsquare IO, we actually hold only five percent of our total coin on the exchange. Ninety-five percent is held in cold storage. Uh, so you know, just with respect to hacking and forking and whatnot, that's not really something. That's sort of something that we really looked at, you know, trying to um, you know mediate out and defend against as best as possible. So cool. Don't hold your coins on exchanges. It's a disaster. You will get disaster. robbed. Alright, so you run one of the biggest exchanges in the world. So, uh, first question, what's the volume like on Kraken, let's say, over the last day or week? Well, I don't know, it's grown a lot. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, we did a few billion dollar days in the last month, I think. But okay, so a few billion dollar days, that's, that's a pretty big number. So it was like the highest days. So you've been trading Bitcoins for five years, right? There's a lot of people in this room who maybe never even signed up on an exchange. So as somebody signing up on an exchange, Austin, or did, did you have any like, pieces of advice? Except for don't do it. No, we have different verification tiers. So if you're just trying to uh, dabble and, and, and you have uh, low funding limits, um, it's not really too high of a barrier to entry from the uh, KYC perspective. But but any um, fiat funding requires uh, basic KYC um, identity document, government identity document, and proof of residency, and depending on the jurisdiction, perhaps something else uh, I think for the lowest level tier for Canadian citizens it's uh, that's what it would be um, the main problem in Canada with buying Bitcoin is just the banking uh, Coinsquare sounds great because if they're you can do domestic Canadian uh, transfers like I don't know the interacts and all that uh, 
that's great, especially for kind of retail level stuff. The, the banks here are just atrocious. Uh, um, it, it, it's very difficult in Canada. It's really a shame. I think I mentioned that this earlier. Maybe this looks like it's all new people, but it's really a shame because I believe that Canada probably has the most mind share, at least per capita, and, and maybe even the most crypto. Canada might have more crypto per capita than anywhere on earth, and the I, there's a lot that leads me to believe that. And um, the banks have just really ruined it because this could, Toronto could have been the Silicon Valley of crypto and maybe that chance has passed. But strictly, only, solely due to the banking cartel that you guys have. Matt, you want to share some thoughts? I know you've been in this game for a long time. You work with institutions, big players, high net worth individuals. Do you want to talk about maybe coming at it not from the buying $50, but maybe if somebody wants to buy $50,000. Yeah, well, um, so my, my advice is the, these markets are very volatile. They're not for the faint of heart. Uh, you really need to be prepared to lose all the money that you invest in cryptocurrencies because there's a lot of ways to lose money. Not only do the markets move around violently and often crash, but if you don't know what you're doing, then you might accidentally lose that money by sending it somewhere you're not supposed to. So, you know, buyer beware, don't invest any more than you can lose. Uh, but on the other hand, I do believe that crypto is an asset class that is emerging. And I, I do believe that it will replace most, if not all, capital markets activities within our lifetime. So it's, it's something that you need to pay attention to, especially if you're in financial services or trading at all. Uh, but you need to be very careful, very cautious, don't invest too much, uh, and, and really try to do your homework. and. For the love of God, try to understand how to manage private keys on your own, on your own private wallet, and back that wallet up, and understand the consequences of screwing that up. Because if you mess that up, you can lose a lot of money very, very quickly, and it's gonna hurt and make you feel really bad. But if you're holding your coin at a place like CoinSquare and we hold it in 95% cold storage, we're basically assuming some of that responsibility. But people can steal that cold storage. That's what happened at a few exchanges, right? I mean, I don't know your security, but there's always a risk that that cold storage can get stolen. Bad actors, internal, uh, in, inside jobs, like uh, Shapeshift had, went through this where one of their contractors stole a lot of Bitcoin. So it's always wise to not keep your coins at the exchange, even if you have the best security practices, because we're, we're so early in the space. like. I lost a ton of Bitcoin, well, not a ton of Bitcoin, but a ton of today's dollars of Bitcoin in Gox. Yeah, well, a weightless amount yeah, of the Bitcoin. Gox, I mean, Gox, they weren't even segregating clients' assets, right? Like, that was just, and then a hacker was siphoning off right beneath their noses. Like, that was kind of a different situation. I just like to not store all my coins at an exchange. I don't know. I just... Well, but that's a very, that's a very interesting. Until we get like uh, insurance. And stuff. Exactly. I was just going to say, until we have um, a, a system here that, that um, protects consumers um, and, and and adds a layer, um, you know, of, of that sort of protection, um, I, I think it, it's 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 not going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it's it's kind of the same issue as what you know you can get um, your, your bank account insured. So it's you know I, I think this, these sort of instruments. Bank account insurance is also not real, right? The FDIC does not like have funds. I don't know how it is in Canada. Maybe in Canada everything's great, so maybe it's great here. Yeah, the, the insurance for banks or whatever, right? But the FDIC is not insurance. It uh, uses the word insurance, so maybe it has you fooled, but it's not. 
It is actually uh, just printing out more money to replace the money that's uh, in your account, which is nice if you know you're the only one that lost money. But if everybody loses money, then you know it's not insurance. So I mean, so just to like parse kind of what, what's being said here. So I, I do agree with both uh, both sides of the argument in the sense that as a user, I do think it's really important to hold your own private keys. But I also run a brokerage. We added a hundred thousand users in the last two weeks at Unicoin. Um, and, and I know what Suzanne's saying is we, the companies like ours, and Kraken, and, and, and CoinSquare, we go to great extents to keep your Bitcoin safe, but just because we onboard so many people, we become a honeypot. So I think like the more bigger picture is, is that you know, if you care about yourself, then you're going to want to protect yourself. So it's important to learn about cold storage. Oh, with that said, we do have Crypto Asylum. They put these little pieces of paper on your, if you fill that out and, and submit it, you can win yourself a free uh, hardware wallet. Um, okay, so I want to I take this next question over to Laura, Laura. So let's say you figure out how to buy some Bitcoin. Bitcoin goes from $20 to $20,000. And now you want to realize some of those gains. Oh, how does like how does taxation work uh, here in Canada? Okay, um, I guess the the main message I want to uh, bring today is that you do have to think about taxes. I know at the beginning of this journey, some sometimes things could be done a little bit uh, outside of the reach of tax authorities, but they are aware that cryptocurrencies exist. They're reading newspapers the way we are, um, and they are um, going to start aggressively looking at it. One of the things we saw in, in the U.S. was exactly the IRS getting the list of, of users and they're not using it for fun, they want to go and see the transactions. Um, the Canada Revenue Agency has said a few things about how they think cryptocurrency should be taxed. Um, it's very basic things, but for somebody who's just buying and selling, um, it, it's enough. Um, the idea being that you have to think of it as um, either a gain, the capital gain, or a, some sort of income. So if you're doing this, just me buying some coin, keeping it there, and then selling one day, right now, let's say, uh, making a lot of money. Um, the difference between what I paid, uh, what, I, what I got for it today and what I paid for it is my gain and half of that will be taxed. But if you're doing it much more uh, periodically, and you're doing it as an, as an investor would do it, um, then there, there, there's an argument that they're making that maybe this is income. So the difference between those two is, of course, a capital gain only 50% is taxed, and income is 100% of, of, the, of, the, of the difference between what you sell it for and what you bought it for will be uh, taxed. So, so there's going to be, I think, in the future, once they start tracing, uh, tracing that. Um, so that's one thing. If you're already selling your coin, uh, you should be uh, talking to your tax advisors or tax accountants about how you should be reporting these transactions. But even if you're not selling it yet, if you're holding coin outside of Canada, uh, there's an obligation to report it um, if it's the cost of it is over $100,000. So there's a form called T1135. Uh, um, and if you fail to file this form, it's a $2,500 penalty each year. Uh, that can be doubled to $12,000 and so on. So right now, um, yes? What's the form again? T1135. Yeah. All right, so, so it's, it's for all your, it's all for all your... Yeah, uh, go ahead. I have a question. If Bitcoin aren't really real, right, they're just like numbers behind another number, how do we know if the Bitcoin are stored in Canada? If the number exists in Canada? So, 
There's a lot of things that, are, that we cannot see that actually exist, you know, not Santa Claus apparently, but a lot of other things. So it's an intangible, or they're seeing it as a commodity or some sort of intangible thing. It exists, it doesn't have to be physical. How do we know where it exists? Well, I mean, you can technically keep it all on your head, right, across borders, isn't that sort of weird? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think they'll have to look at where where the exchanges are, where you're holding it, where the where you bought it from. I, it's it's a good question, but but I think uh, you have to think a little bit more beyond just the fact that it's on your wallet. I'm a low. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, so we're gonna we're gonna keep uh, keep this show moving. Uh, please help me thank our our guests one more time. Oh wait, we got Brad's got one more comment. You're very influential in this space. What do you think? Like, what do you recommend people when they ask you to buy Bitcoin? What do you do? I have no idea. That's why I have to put this panel together. Like, I'm not kidding. These events are more about uh, just me figuring stuff out. Like, I, I, I not here. And, and you know what? Uh, it's hard to say this, but I, I got to admit with Austin. I think that. So I have, like I said, I'm Canadian. Um, I want to bring my business to Canada. Um, I have a hundred employees in Toronto. I mean, in Bangalore, but not a single one here in Toronto. And it's because the banks, they'll invest in my company, and they have. But, you know, when it comes to banking Bitcoin businesses, even if you follow all the rules, it's like chewing glass. Um, it's very, very difficult. And, 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 and if you really want to know why I do these events, it's actually to bring attention to that singular point. Because if we don't solve that problem, I have two little daughters at home. I'm afraid that we're not going to be at the front of innovation. We're not going to change the world. We're not going to make it a better place. We're going to just follow the rest of the world. And so. Anyways, I'm really passionate about this. So, but anyway, thank you guys very much. Let's keep this moving. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend you think would appreciate the send. Up next, more talks from past conferences. Thanks for listening.